thing that I wanted people to understand is they don't have to be their gene pool. You hear so many people say, oh, you know, being overweight runs in my family, cancer runs in my family, diabetes runs in my family, heart disease runs in my family. Well, the genes may be there, but you have the power over whether you turn them off or not. And it depends what you put in your body, what you have in your, what you wash your clothes with, what you clean your house with, everything. It's all connected. So it's so huge. And people don't understand how much power they have. They have the power to save themselves, to create a new life for themselves. If they only have the information. Living in a stressful world doesn't mean you have to give up on happiness. Instead, you can shift your perspective of stress and discover how to live your life in flow. Welcome to Happified. I'm your host, Susie Vine. Join me for inspiration and interviews with folks who are shining their light in the world in the areas of positive mindset, health, and wellness. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome back. So happy to have you here. And joining me today is the lovely Cheryl A. Major, CNWC. We're going to get into all of that and learn about how Cheryl has been able to transform her life through some simple, well, maybe not easy, but somewhat simple lifestyle changes. So we're going to learn about Cheryl today. I'm so grateful to have you here with us. Thanks for joining me. My pleasure. I'm excited to be here and to share my experiences. I hope they'll help some other people. That's my goal. Tremendous. So Cheryl has been on a healthy eating journey for many years now, starting at age 28, which couldn't have been that many years ago. Um, (laughs) (laughs) She adjusted and changed her diet and has since then been influencing the eating habits of those around her because of the difference and the impact she was able to see it make on her health, even at that point. More than seven years ago, this journey led her to remove all processed foods, sugar, gluten, and preservatives from her diet. That is the tricky part. The change in how she felt both physically and emotionally has been an inspiration for her blog. You can follow her at thinstronghealthy.com. She disappeared a several decades long battle with chronic depression and has an unexpected result of these changes, discovering a change in weight. In fact, she lost 20 pounds without dieting. So Cheryl's mission now is to share her discoveries to benefit those around her, whether it's in West Suburban Boston, where she lives, or with a nationwide internet community. Cheryl, thank you so much again. I'm so happy to have you here. So it sounds like you've been on quite a journey. I have been on quite a journey. I, um, <laughs> I began being depressed when I was 12 years old. And that wasn't just yesterday either. So, um, <laughs> and I just started crying all the time and my parents couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. Um, they just weren't equipped to deal with it. I didn't know what was going on in the depression. Chronic. It was. It got better and worse, and it was often event driven by you know deaths in the family and that kind of thing. But um, I was depressed for over forty years, and then um, about six or seven years ago, my husband was having some really really serious um, side effects, and we discovered that they were from the Lipitor he was taking. He was borderline uh, diabetic, type two diabetic. Um, He had neuropathy, he had muscle weakness, he had brain fog, he was getting cataracts, he was having memory issues. 
and we were really worried. So we, the only thing he was on was Lipitor for his family history of cholesterol. So we just did the Google and we checked out the side effects and it turned out that he was the poster child for um, problems with Lipitor. So it became clear that what we had to do was back him off diabetes. He was so close to being diabetic, he had to finger stick twice a day and check his glucose. And we had to back him off that and we also had to back him off needing the Lipitor. And that's what prompted us to uh, just get rid of everything with sugar and gluten and dairy and processed foods. We just ripped the Band-Aid off, which is really hard for people to do, but we were really scared. So that's, that's what we did. And not only did we pull him back, but about six months later, um, we started really digging into this for him in, I think it was October, and then early summer, um, both my parents had passed away, I had to sell the family home, and it wasn't something I wanted to do, and it wasn't a happy occasion. We kept waiting for me to be a blob in the corner in fetal position, sucking my thumb and totally unable to do anything, and I wasn't. And what we realized was I was no longer depressed. I was sad because it was hard, but I was appropriately sad. And if you've ever been depressed, you know that there's a difference between being depressed and being appropriately sad. And that was six or seven years ago. Well, yeah, it was six or seven years ago. And I haven't been depressed since. That's inc It's really incredible. I love to hear stories of transformation like that. And it's so sad at the same time to hear it often comes from this kind of point, this breaking point where you're faced with a situation and you recognize you've got to make a big pivot to make a change. Um, yeah. And a lot of times I, I really see it come from that feeling like we'll do anything to take care of the people that we love, but ourselves, we'll just kind of keep trying to stitch it back together and carry on and, and muster through. And sometimes it takes that outer perspective or, you know, that perspective of what can I do to help my loved one to make a really big shift. Whereas for ourselves, it's a lot harder to stick to it. That's very true, Susie. And I was also on and off antidepressants um, a number of times. And I kept waiting to feel happy. They tell you, oh, you won't notice anything from, for two weeks. And it was like, Two weeks, you cross the days off on the calendar. It's like, okay, two weeks from today, I'm going to be happy. And they don't make you happy. What they do is they dull the depression so you can function a little bit better, but they don't make you happy. But they give you other stuff too. They give you um, weight gain and um, they, they made the, my head felt like pudding. And I was on three different ones. I was on, um, what's the, 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 old, the, the really going back, um, one of the first ones. I can't remember it. <laughs> and whatever it was, I'll think of it. But then they put me in, and that really didn't work. And then they put me on Zoloft, and then my dad died, and I crashed. I became depressed on antidepressants. So then they put me on Paxil, which ended up being my antidepressant of choice. And I was on and off Paxil probably three or four times. Um, and I kept trying to get off because I didn't want to take drugs. I wanted to do it naturally. And I just didn't feel like myself. I felt like this dulled down person. It didn't really make me gain weight. I was lucky in, in that respect. But I just didn't feel myself. I didn't feel sharp. Yeah. And then I would imagine those feelings tend to compound your outlook and your perception of the situation too. You would be frustrated in having that feeling of disassociation. Yeah. 
And, and quite frankly, it's hard for someone else to live with someone who's depressed all the time. It's, it's difficult, you know, it's very difficult. And it's, I mean, being depressed is exhausting, especially when you're trying to fool the world and you're trying to, you know, work. And I mean, I, I've been um, a full-time residential realtor for over 30 years, and I was afraid to let people know that I struggled with depression, that they wouldn't hire me. And so I, I had to keep it hidden. And when I finally came out as a depressed person, there were a lot of people who were really surprised because although it took a lot of energy and a lot of willpower, and a lot of time and effort, um, I was pretty darn good at hiding my depression. Inside, you're crumbling and you're crying and, you know, you, you just feel awful, but you're able to have this facade that, that fools the world and gets you through. But it takes a lot of energy. Now I put my energy into other things, trying to help other people. Yes, I imagine it feels tremendous to have that, that reserve of energy that you're not always putting into to presenting this front, just in order to kind of keep up with other people's expectations. And it seems like it's, I mean, I believe we may recognize in people that are very close to us, you know, that they may be depressed or, you know, the depression might be on an upswing and it more, might be impacting them more strongly, but in, it's like chronic pain in that it's largely an invisible disease. And so, you know, you can't always be reminding people, it's hard for me to muster this energy. I'm feeling depressed right now. I'm really having a hard time. I'm struggling. You don't want to always be putting that out there. And like you say, I mean, professionally, we're pressured to have this image of ready for anything, always ready for showtime, especially in a very demanding career like real estate that must have taken a lot out of you. Yeah, it, it, it took a lot of energy that, that I would have liked to have, have put elsewhere. But it lets you know what, what you can do and how much. I, I, I am a person who has a lot of energy. So I was lucky in that respect. But, you know, there are still some days when you don't want to get out of bed. You know, all you want to do is go to sleep and forget how depressed you are, forget how awful you feel. And then, and then food plays into it because, you know, food like, like sugar and, I mean, my go-to was muffins. I love muffins and pastries and donuts and things like that. In fact, the other day, I mean, truth, telling the truth here, I had a, with everything that's going on, I had a donut in my cart. I was like, I'm going to have a donut. I haven't had a donut in so long. And by, fortunately, I put it in my, my basket in, at the beginning of my shopping tour. And by the end of my shopping tour, I said, yeah, no, I'm going to put it back. So it was all nicely packaged, packaged, packaged back. <laughs> not that it's not a temptation, but, you know, you do get a high from eating sugar or eating refined carbohydrates that turn into sugar. It, 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 it triggers the dopamine response and it, it, it's, it's like a drug and it gives you this, you know, this, this feel good release of dopamine, but it doesn't last very long. And then you feel worse than probably you did before. So it's that you're on this vicious cycle. So I had to change a lot of things. Well, I, I didn't know what I had changed, to be honest with you. I've, I've had so many people say, well, what did you do? Did you stop eating sugar? Did you get rid of gluten? Did you stop eating processed foods? And the truth was, I would say to them, you know, I honestly don't know. I mean, now I know because I've figured it out and I've done some research. But when I wrote my first book, I really did. I hadn't figured out what was going on and what I had done. But I was, quite frankly, too scared to experiment and see if I could zero in on, is it one thing? Can I identify if it's sugar? Can I identify, identify if it's gluten? 
Um, so I was on the straight and narrow just because I was afraid of becoming depressed again. I didn't want to live like that. I mean, this is a new life I have. It's a completely new life. And that's why I'm so ardent about sharing my message with people because I believe others can do it too. Um, our food, our sad American diet, standard American diet, it, it's killing us. And it just keeps us on this low, slow burn of chronic inflammation. And it's a whole, everything's connected too. You know, when you go, when you go, and you say to your, your um, primary care guy, you know, I think I'm depressed. Okay, well, you need to talk to a social worker. So you go to a social worker and 40 minutes or 50 minutes, I guess it's 50 minutes later, they say, you know, you're depressed. It's like, oh, yeah, I didn't need to pay you for 50 minutes. I know I'm depressed. Well, you need to talk to a psychiatrist because that's the person with the prescription pad. And it's, it's, it's this evolution, but along that, path. Nobody ever said to me, what are you eating? What are you eating? So that's what I say to people, regardless of what your complaint or your ailment is, what are you eating? Because you are what you eat. It's so, it's just a truism. Exactly. It's so fundamental and deceptively simple. And in a lot of aspects, you know, it's easy to say something is simple. That never means that it's easy. But it's so unfortunate that this education just isn't forthcoming. It's not in schools. It's hardly in our physicians' schools. I've never been asked by a doctor when I've had a complaint, well, what are you eating? You know, it's such a fundamental question. And so I'm so grateful that well, I mean, from your own personal experience, you've been moved. I mean, this is a heart-driven mission. You feel like you've had this experience yourself and you know so many people who need to have this experience too. And so it's beautiful. Um, and we just need more and more people bringing out this message because it's not on the mainstream airwaves. You know, we're still digging for this information. And being here where I am in Southern California, we tend to feel, you know, start to take for granted that people are aware of the holistic approach to health. But in so much of the country, that is simply not the case. So how did you start your research? Tell us about your, your certification. Um, well, I have a degree in education from Boston University, but it wasn't in the health field. So when I decided that I wanted to use my teaching skills um, to get the word out, I felt like I had to have some sort of credential to legitimize what I was talking about, what I knew to be true. Um, so I, I'm a certified nutrition and wellness consultant. It's a certification I have to renew with continuing ed credits. Um, and they put you through your paces. So I went out and I, I, I got that because I felt that that gave me some legitimacy. Um, and beyond that, Beyond that, the constant reading, the constant questioning, the constant um, self-education. I mean, the, you know, what, I, what you and I are sitting in front of right now, our computers, it's like having a library at your fingertips and you can get an education right there. I mean, we, we started by the book that we started with was a book by Dr. Mark Heinen. And at the time, back in uh, 20, end of 2012, 
when, what was that long ago? So it's almost eight years. I have to keep adjusting it because it's been almost eight years that we went, oh, something's wrong here. But we saw a PBS special that he did. Um, His book, The Blood Sugar Solution had come out. So we thought that that was a good thing for us to look at for my husband, because the number one thing that we were afraid of was of him becoming um, diabetic. So we glommed onto that, we read that, and we started to live by that. We cleaned out, we purged the house, pantry, um, kitchen, fridge, freezer. We gave away stuff that was still good, everything with any kind of sugar. And there are 60 plus names of sugar. Um, Yeah, 60 plus names of sugar. So people just don't understand how sugar is in everything because they can't identify the names because it's not all sugar. It's stuff like treacle and, you know, all kinds of weird names. So we threw out everything with sugar, everything with um, gluten. We went gluten-free, which was, that was tough. Um, Got rid of dairy, got rid of everything that we could put in the microwave. We actually got rid of our microwave too. We pulled out the microwave, put in a hood and started cooking more. Started eating a lot more raw. Um, And we both lost, each of us lost 20 pounds. And we lost our tendency, I lost my tendency to be depressed. He lost his, his move toward his, his family gene pool, the epigenetics that is his gene pool, pushing him toward um, type 2 diabetes and, and heart stuff. We backed him off that. Um, and you don't have to, the, another thing that I wanted people to understand is they don't have to be their gene pool. You hear so many people say, oh, you know, being overweight runs in my family, cancer runs in my family, diabetes runs in my family, heart disease runs in my family. Well, the genes may be there, but you have the power over whether you turn them off or not. And it depends what you put in your body, what you have in your, what you wash your clothes with, what you clean your house with, everything. It's all connected. So it's so huge. And people don't understand how much power they have. They have the power to save themselves, to create a new life for themselves. If they only have the information. And I know some people have to do, I call it small steps for big changes. They can't rip the bandaid off like we did, but they can make little changes that add up and you start to feel better. And it's like, yeah, maybe if I push the bad stuff off my plate and add more of the good stuff, eventually I'll get to where salad is dinner. So there's so much that people can do and they can save themselves. They do not have to be their family's gene pool. Huge message to get out there. Exactly. It's so exciting. We're in a really exciting time right now where epigenetics are giving us hope. You know, at the same time we can go and get the 23andMe and find out what our genes are. We're learning that we can control, just like you say, which switches get turned on and off. You know, and we can really push the pause button and say, nope, we're not going to go down that line of cancer that's been in my family. And nope, I'm going to push pause on that heart disease that has affected my parents and my grandparents and all of that. And we can break the cycle of prescription drugs as we slowly get stronger and heal ourselves and working with our physician recognize we don't need these interventions anymore. And so it's so empowering. Um, And as you mentioned, you know, our environment has a huge influence on us as well. And environmental stressors is something that I'm personally passionate about. And so um, 
thank you for bringing that up because it really is a holistic approach. We, we tend to hope there's a silver bullet. If I give up gluten, that's all I need to do to be healthy all I need to do. That's a really big step, you know, but, but we look for that single source and we're really um, impacted by so many different influences. It's hard to untangle. So as you say, you know, you can rip the bandaid off and go all in and get everything out of your pantry. For some people, that's the way to do it, right? Because we'll find a way to cheat. And then for some of us, those little modifications, those little wins by bringing in this habit, you know, I'm going to walk around the block every day for a week. That's great. Now I have a little bit more energy. Okay, so next week, what I'm, what else am I going to add to my schedule? You know, and just keep on winning and rewarding ourselves and acknowledging the process. Right. And, and people have said to me, oh, I could never give up bread and pasta. And what I say to them is you don't have to completely give it up unless, you're celi- unless you have celiac. You can have um, non-celiac gluten sensitivity. That means that you can have a reaction to gluten, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have celiac disease. And um, I have a friend, actually, whose boyfriend gets migraines from eating gluten. As soon as he stops, no migraines. He goes out and has a pizza, migraine. That's pretty motivational if you've ever had a migraine. But... I mean, sometimes my deal with myself the other day when the donut was in my cart and then it wasn't in my cart was that I would treat myself to a very, a very wholesome loaf of sourdough bread. And I probably won't eat the whole thing. Most of it will go in the freezer. But you can have something. And I don't even look at it as cheating. I look at it as I get what I need to do to be healthy. It doesn't mean I'm a saint. It means that I love a good slice of bread and sometimes, darn it, I can have it because the rest of the time I'm on the wagon and I'm doing what I need to be doing. So, and, and I don't even call it a cheat day. Some people say, oh, I have to have a cheat meal. You don't have to call it a cheat meal because it's not necessarily something bad. It's something that might not be in your best interest and certainly not in your best interest to do all the time but you don't have to look at it as this restrictive um, path that you have to be on because that's the problem. That's one of the big problems with dieting is that you're restricting, you're saying, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to have that, I'm not going to have that, I'm not going to have that, and it's the thing that you're craving. And then there's this little thing that happens, and it's like this moment where you say, that's it, I got to have it. And then you're more apt to binge on what you've been trying to restrict because it's what you've been craving. So it's this whole psychology of how to work with your head so you can get to a point where you can feel better and then you can be okay with having something that might not be in your interest, but you're making an informed decision. And I think informed health is, is where we need to head. And, um, oh, I, I wanted to just mention, you said no doctor had ever asked you um, what you eat. One doctor actually did ask me. It was a holistic chiropractor here in Massachusetts. And I remember I went to see him first visit, and he had no bedside manner. He walked in, didn't even look at, at me, didn't introduce himself. He's looking down at the clipboard, and he just said, what are you eating? I said, excuse me? What are you eating? Like I was an idiot. And he, 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 he. He shocked me so badly, I couldn't remember what I ate that day. So that's the only time it's ever happened. And I, I, I wish more doctors would, would look at the food. But, you know, there's so much incentive with the pharmaceutical companies. It's just, it, 
just like in our body, everything is connected, unfortunately, with insurance and big food and the medical schools and the medical community, you know, prescription drugs, it's, it's all connected and you have to break the cycle. And if you can break the cycle and free yourself, you're in good shape. It's simple and it's hard at the same time, which I think you kind of alluded to earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I, and I think that as you're saying, mindset is such a fundamental part of it. And there's a certain victory in breaking out of the cycle and choosing to chart our own course. And I also um, believe so strongly in what you're saying about, you know, the, the willpower of, okay, I have to give up all gluten. I can't have any bread. I can't do it. I can't do it. I won't do it. I'm just going to say no. That willpower flags really fast. Some of us like peak in willpower first thing in the morning. Some of us, it's just not our jam. <laughs> um, but if you can shift that to instead of being, I will resist this, I can't have it, to getting back in touch with your why. Your why was, we're going to transform my husband's health and get him off this medication that's going to give him more side effects than we can handle. You know, some people's why might be they've been having fertility struggles and just really cleaning up. You know, some people's why might be, I want to be here and active throughout my children's and then my grandchildren's lives. You know, whatever why you can come back to and hold on to is going to be a lot stronger than I will not get that loaf of bread because I shouldn't do it. <laughs> because you see tons of people breaking the rules that they've put on themselves, right? Willpower just isn't up to that. But when we can tap into something deeper, it's a really powerful tool we can pull out when we need it. Exactly. And it's reinforcing when you make enough of a shift and uh, enough of a, uh, an empowers, empowering enough shift that you want to hang on to that, that'll keep you on it too. Just like, I mean, that's what happened with me. It was like, yeah, no. And, and, and truly there have been times when I have, I mean, I've never gone off the rails, but I have eaten more widely and I can start to, to notice that, you know, why am I having those thoughts or why am I starting to feel that way? And then I look at, at what I'm eating and I'll say, yeah, I had some sugar or I had bread a couple times or something like that. I mean, I can always trace it back to, to choices and then I have to make choices. It's simple and it's hard. And you know, they, they manufacture this food to be addictive in the labs, and they test a lot of it on children. They test a lot of it on children. They will, you know, poor little kids, you know, they'll take a five or seven-year-old and they'll give them little cups of pudding. And they will, and you know, everyone, every little cup has more sugar, more sugar, more sugar, until the child says, yeah, it's too sweet. But what they've discovered is when it gets to be too sweet, if they add salt to it, you can tolerate more sugar. So it's that diabolical. It's that diabolical. It's devious. Diabolical and, is definitely the word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we pay the price. We pay the price. Yeah. You know, I, as we see these issues affecting children. Oh my gosh, yes. We're seeing diabetes and, and, and obesity in, in, in infants now they're seeing. If you, if you follow um, any uh, pediatric endocrinologists, they're seeing very, 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 very young clients, very young. Some of them are, are infants, toddlers. 
I mean, it's terrible. And, 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 and how can their parents save them when their parents can't save themselves? You know? Yeah, so true. And again, just to touch back briefly, a whole new conversation, but um, on the impact of our environment, because some of these chemicals that are in our skincare products, in, certainly in our cleaning products, um, basically act as obesogens and change the way our bodies hold on to fat from that really, really early age, even prenatal. So yeah, definitely we need to keep our eyes open and be cleaning up our act in all, in all areas. Um, so it's such an important thing to just kind of choose where you want to begin, but understand it's definitely a journey. It's not a one victory and then this is, this is all I need to do. <laughs> it is a life journey. You're so right, Susie. It's, it's your life journey and it's about saving your life transforming your life, getting a new life, you know, making your life longer and better, pushing your, your decline to the very last days of your life rather than, you know, you get your AARP invitation. It's the bobsled to old age. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. And, and I, I, I'm so, I don't like to use the word desperate, but I'm, I'm, I'm so, ardent and almost desperate to get the word out to people because I mean they're not getting it from from the, the traditional medical community they're just not unless they're seeing a functional doctor or a holistic doctor they're just not and I'm certainly not a doctor and I would never tell people not to take their drugs or not to do anything that their doctor recommends but I do advocate questioning I do advocate learning I mean never stop learning plus which that keeps brain on but, um, you know, never, never, never stop learning and questioning because it, it's to your benefit in so many ways. Yeah. So speaking of learning, I'd love to hear more about your book. So you have a book already out called Eat Your Blues Away, and there's one coming up soon. So let us know a little bit about those. There is. Oh, I'd love to talk about those. Um, Eat Your Blues Away what is the the. I, I chronicled what happened to me um, with, you know, my, my husband having the issues and the accidental recovery, and there's some education about it in there. Um, so Eat Your Blues Away, I published that at the end of 2018. And I had so many people ask me what I had done, as I mentioned before, and I hadn't quite connected the dots. I didn't really know. And about the same time as my book came out, I started to do some research on inflammation. And I learned that, again, it's all connected. And if you're on a, a, a low, steady, chronic inflammation burn, it's going to burn you. And it's, it's not, I mean, there are two kinds of inflammation. There's, there's acute, which is, you know, you sprain your ankle, it swells, you get an infection, white blood cells go, whoa, we got to fight to fight. And it's supposed to tamp down and go away when the, the crisis is over. But what happens with the foods that we're eating is that we get chronic, low-grade chronic inflammation. And we are on a slow burn. And that slow burn does a lot of things. It, it, it amps your overall inflammation. It can give you leaky gut. It can cause depression because you, you don't, I mean, you get a headache, but you don't really get a brain ache, but your, your gut, your second brain kind of telegraphs up to your brain. Hey, you know, things are messed up down here. 
the brain goes, oh, we're going we're gonna to manifest this as depression. So inflammation can manifest as depression. And what I realized was what I had done was I had started eating a low inflammatory diet. It was not just the sugar. It was not just the gluten or any other one thing. It was the entire change. It was the entire new diet that I was eating. I had reduced the inflammation in my body and in my brain. So I had so many people ask me what I did that I started writing what I'm calling the major method. Um, I'm not sure what the, the, the subtitle will be. It'll probably be something like eat, your li- eat like your life depends on it because it does or something like that. <laughs> but the major method is going to be a deeper dive into how I did what I did and how people can take the ball and run with it themselves and a little more education about what's going on, what's being done to us that we're unaware of. So, because knowledge is power. So thank you for giving me an opportunity to put that out there. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for a late fall release on the major method. We'll Tremendous. See. I'll definitely be sharing that on my website and social media too, because I'm so excited. And, and what you're saying is so important. Um, in addition to the influences of food, again, I'll bring up my, my, my old diatribe, environmental influence, also simply being under stress. When we don't get sleep, when we're in high-stress environments, when work is stressing us out, that contributes to that inflammatory load that we're carrying. So we've got to find a way to break the cycle because our body keeps operating at this stressed-out level and doesn't get that opportunity to you know, build the resilience. We run out of resilience when we're always operating at that stressed and inflamed. And, and if we're stressed and inflamed and then we get sick with something that's really serious... Our body's like, I can't do anymore. You know, you're at you're, you're you're kind of at this point instead of at this point. And if you you weren't amped up on your inflammation, your body would go, okay, we can handle this. But if you're here all the time, I mean, that's when you really, really get in trouble with with getting sick, no matter what the illness is. So exactly. It's, yeah, it's critical. Yeah, and I really feel, um, you know, only science and hindsight is going to give us clarity on this situation that we're in currently in 2020, but I really feel that that's a big reason why this pandemic has hit us so hard, because so many people are already working at their limit, and this is just what's coming along and tipping the scales, and even other people who are otherwise healthy and resilient. I absolutely agree. I absolutely think you've, you've nailed it right there. Absolutely agree with you. So we couldn't have enough time in one conversation to get into the foundations or cornerstones of how you work with your clients or what you feel are the most important um, things to address in nutrition. We've kind of like scratched the surface, but I believe you're putting together a membership. So how are you working with people to start implementing these changes? Well, um, I, I, I do coach. I do have private coaching clients. Um, and we just start with where they are. We figure out, they, they kind of track their food, what they're eating for a few days. And then we talk about that and we talk about what they'd like to achieve. And we work from there. Um, the membership site, when I launch that, my hope is that I'll be able to cast a wide net and affect and, and help a bigger group of, of, of people. Um, obviously it won't be as intense as working with people one-on-one, but my goal is, excuse me, my goal is to 
get the word out, get the word out to as many people as possible. And in the meantime, I do have my flagship, um, thinstronghealthy.com, which has been my website for, gee, I mean, since I really started this, I think I, I launched that in 2013 or 2014. So there's a ton of content there for people if they want to check that out. But the membership site, I, I want to be a wide net um, that is going to, I mean, that makes it sound like I'm trying to catch people. I'm not trying to catch people. I'm trying to reach people um, and spread the word and, and help them realize the power and the influence they have to affect um, positivity in their lives. You know, and it's, it, it, it's food, it's mental state, it's, you know, get off the couch and move. It's, you know, use different things, as you've said, it's, it's use different things to clean your house, use different things to wash your clothes, use different toothpaste. I mean, we don't realize, I, I was looking at an article of, about um, face cream that had, uh, was it mercury or lead, one or the other, but it, it's, it's remarkable the things that, that go into what we put on our skin, and our skin is our largest organ, so it, it's important to protect it. Yes, and, and I agree completely. Um, when, when, when you say like casting a wide net, it's, it's really about making it available to people. Again, because as we were saying, I mean, this information is not headline news as much as it should be. It's just not. And, and it's a process. You know, some people can dive into the deep end because they've got that big why. They're trying to turn around their own health or, you know, take care of their family. And some of us really just need to weighed in. And so the the beauty of a membership is that, you know, you you keep getting more. You know, it's it's kind of on on drip. You know, it, it meets you where you are. You can use what serves you. You've got all this access to wonderful content, you know, and you can just keep on adding the layers and moving yourself along your path. Yes. And every month I'm focusing on a different subject. So the first month will be all about immunity because immunity and keeping your immune system strong is so important right now. And then month two is about um, keeping salads interesting and eating raw. Not that you have to eat everything raw, but incorporating more raw is a good idea. And then there'd be a month on sugar, the month on how to be successful with, um, with your food choices. So I'm really trying to have a focus every month, but there'll be webinars and I'll do a Facebook live, which, yeah, and recipes, you know, I have videos and things like that. So working on the content for people. They can do it. If I can do it, they can do it. Exactly. Exactly. We don't do this because it's fun. <laughs> but once you start along the path and you start recognizing the change, and it does as it was for you, sometimes it sneaks up on you. Sometimes you realize, oh, wow, I slept better this week than I have since I can even remember. You know, and, and, you know the, the interesting thing for me was, and I talk about this in Eat Your Blues Away, the first, I, I used to get terrible seasonal affective disorder. And um, when fall came, oh, it was just not worth living. It was, I mean, I was never suicidal, but I was pretty darn depressed. And um, I can remember this must have been the fall of 2013 because I had been eating this way with this change for about a year. And I was driving by a reservoir. And it was very still, and there were trees. I mean, in New England, we have this, these beautiful trees that change color. And the entire, the tree line around this, this totally still glass-like pond was red and gold and orange and, 
you know, spruce tree here and there. And it was absolutely gorgeous. And I can remember looking at it and say, oh my gosh, that's so gorgeous. And I was driving and I went, it's fall. And I'm looking at something thinking it's good. And then I knew I was on, I really knew I was on to something because fall was the test for me. And I, I didn't really start to, um, it, it took me a couple of years to make sure that this wasn't a fluke before I really started to want to put the word out. I was a little slow, but I, I, I got more confident the longer it went. And now it's um, six or seven years, seven or eight years. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a stunning turnaround and other people can do it. And you can change your life. Well, you can change life with food, you know, and what a fun way to do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And, and, and that story to, to finish with, I think that's a wonderful, you know, demonstration, like even the things that used to bring you down, you know, you can see, have a totally fresh perspective and have, you know, clarity and insight and, Sometimes it takes a little bit of hindsight to recognize how far we've come, but it's great to have cheerleaders and coaches along the way. So that's why I'm so happy to, to share you with my group and, and let them know what you're up to and the resources that you have available. I'm really excited about checking out your book this fall and um, we'll definitely be sharing information as your membership becomes available so folks can dive in at the top and come along for the journey. Wonderful. I'm excited. Thank you, Susie. Excellent. Thank you so much, Cheryl. I appreciate your time. Look forward to talking with you again soon. I'd love it. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in today. Check out the show notes for any links we mentioned. To learn more about living life with less stress and more flow, visit happifiedlife.com. And if you found value in today's episode, make sure you subscribe to catch the next one and leave a review to help fellow pod surfers find Happified. Until next time, keep on shining.